0: It's my pleasure and privilege to bring God's Word to us for our last Sunday of 2018. Up until now, I've only come up here to bring down the somber and heavy weight of God's law in the liturgy, but today I'm excited, I'm so excited to finally get to proclaim The good news for us. So, why don't we stand together for the reading of God's word, if you are able? From John chapter 6, verse 35 to 59. This is the reading of God's word. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? For the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now please join me in a prayer of illumination. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Give us our portion through your word today. Help us gain proper knowledge and understanding and wisdom. By your spirit, make your word clear to our hearts and our minds by showing us ourselves and showing us our Savior. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. A little while back, I got super into bread, the process of baking bread. I looked up a bunch of videos on YouTube, and of course, most importantly, the eating of different kinds of breads. It was right around this time last year that I made my own sourdough starter to try my hand at baking my own loaf from scratch, and it turned out terrible the first time. It's such an interesting process. It's simple to learn. It's one of those things that's simple to learn, but really difficult to master. And as I was doing this, I couldn't help but think about the long history of bread making. Bread is one of the oldest man-made foods in world history and has become such a prominent food source in most cultures because It's simple, it's cheap, and it's versatile. And in the first century Near Eastern culture, in the time and the place of Jesus' earthly ministry, bread was so common in the day-to-day diet that it it represented all food that was necessary to sustain daily living. This is why it becomes such a significant theme In Jesus' ministry, bread is life. Right before this discussion in our passage, in our text, Jesus most recently performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 by multiplying a meager portion of bread and fish to feed a multitude. And these people followed Jesus across the sea to Capernaum because they were hungry for more, both figuratively and probably literally. They were following him for a free lunch. But they also were wondering who Jesus is and what all of this meant. But Jesus' answer to them, was not what they were expecting. And we can see from their reaction that many misunderstood what Jesus was saying here. So as we examine our passage for today, let us consider this thesis, this one sentence summary of that will hopefully guide us to the meaning of our text. And this is it. Because Jesus is, has been, and will continue to be our portion in this life and the life to come, we look forward with great expectation as he sustains us to eternity. I'll say that again. Because Jesus has been, is, and will be our portion in this life and the life to come, we can look forward with great expectation as he sustains us to eternity. And I'm going to break this down into three main points for us to follow. First, the portion expected. Second, the portion earned. And third, the portion eternal. So the portion expected the portion earned, and the portion eternal. I tried to make it easy to remember with all of the alliterations. so if you follow that, it's helpful if you're taking notes. Point number one, the portion expected. This first point is mostly more background to our passage in order to help us understand what people were thinking here. Having witnessed the feeding of the 5,000, The Jews quickly associate Jesus' miracle of the bread which comes down from heaven, from the the Old Testament manna that was provided for the Israelite wanderers. This manna was a gracious, temporary provision of bread from heaven in response to the grumbling and complaining of the Israelite wanderers. It was meant to physically sustain the people of God until he brought them into the promised land. When Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish in order to physically feed the multitude, the Jews recognized this sign that points to the great leader of Israel, Moses. So naturally, their curiosity and their expectation of Jesus grew. Verse 16 in chapter 6 says that they wanted to take Jesus by force and make him their king. They wanted to force Jesus to be their earthly ruler in order to free them from the occupation of Rome and rebuild the great nation of Israel. But this was not Jesus' mission. It was clear to Jesus that, that these people had no true desire for him, but their desire was actually for themselves. This is the root and the problem. It is a short-sighted, selfish expectation. Every day, the Jews were expecting the promised Messiah to come and free them from foreign occupation, and bring them into prosperity for their own benefit. You see, the root of the problem was a wrong expectation of the Messiah that was to come. This is what causes them to misunderstand Jesus. This is what leads them to disappointment, to discontent, to grumbling and complaining. There's no difference between these Jews and their Israelite forefathers. Brothers and sisters, one of the things about Scripture is that if you ever find yourself judging people in it and saying things like, how foolish are these people? How can they be so blind? How come they don't get it? Then most likely, these people are the ones with with which we identify most closely with a sincere Christian will realize, oh, no, this is me. Aren't we most like the Jews in this passage? Aren't we the ones that tend to be short-sighted and selfish in our expectations? We don't get what we want and what we expect from God right away, so how quick are we to be disappointed and complain? and grumble. We say that we're willing to do our part, to do what we can. We'll go to church. We'll give our time, our resources, our money, and we'll read our Bibles, and we'll go to small groups, and we'll pray. If only God were to just give us that job, or get us into that school, or get us through school, or save us from financial ruin, Get us off of the street. Free us from addiction. Heal us from our disease. Fix our broken relationships. Fix our marriages. Fix our family. And deliver us from our daily troubles. If Jesus would just give us the portion that we expect, the portion that we want when we want it, we would be happy, right? perhaps, maybe for a little while. But all of these expectations are short-sighted. They're temporary, and ultimately, they're selfish. Jesus responds to this by telling us that the portion that we expect is actually nothing compared to the portion that has been promised to us. The Jews thought that Jesus had come to deliver them from their immediate troubles by feeding them physical bread and giving them hope for a better life. But Jesus came to do so much more. The one which all of the signs in the past, in the Old Testament, were pointing to was standing right before them, calling them to believe. Jesus' mission was not to just Feed and remind people of God's promised provision. He came to be the fulfillment of God's promise. He came to be the promised provision of God from the beginning. Which brings us to our next point the portion earned. The portion earned. The Jews were expecting Jesus to show them more signs and bring them into a situation of prosperity and a better life. But what Jesus offered to them here in this passage was totally unexpected. He reveals that he is, in fact, the living bread that comes down from heaven. The unique bread that grants eternal life. he has come to do the will of his Father and to redeem his people and to claim them as his own. The Jews were concerned about doing the work of God and and Jesus has come to tell them simply, believe in the one whom the Father has sent. Believe in him, for he has come to complete that work for you. Just as the manna in the wilderness was a gracious provision From God to his people, so to the true bread from heaven that gives eternal life. For the world is a gift. This is all to show that eternal life is not actually something that we earn on our own, but it's something that's been earned for us on our behalf and offered as a gift of grace. This is probably the most difficult concept in Christianity. People tend to struggle with this the most because people confuse their expectations of who deserves what. Many believe that they are generally good people. And they think that it's possible to do all the work that's necessary to please God and live. Don't we tend to enjoy things more when we believe that we've earned it, that we deserve it? But unfortunately, in God's eyes, the best that we can do on our own is to perform the kind of work that no matter what, always leads to death. But the work of Jesus, on the other hand, earns us eternal life. The requirement is a perfect obedience and a sacrifice, something that we are completely incapable of doing because of our sin. But Jesus, who is sinless, earns eternal life by his perfect obedience, his perfect obedience to the law. And he offers himself as a perfectly pleasing sacrifice for the sin Of the world. In this way, he has earned us our portion for eternity because he is our portion for eternity. This is what the elements before us represent. In order for us to receive our portion in him of flesh and blood, his body needed to be broken for us. In order For us to partake of him, he needed to be crushed so that we could receive eternal life through him. So what now? What does this mean for us today? What does this imply for our daily living? That brings us to our third point. The portion eternal. If you've been following along, we've just unpacked the gospel from our text. We hopefully now have a better understanding of what Jesus means when he says, I am the bread of life. But where does that leave us for today? Where are we in this story? What are we to do with this information? How does this help us deal with those daily struggles? Of living in a fallen world of sin and misery. As previously mentioned, our passage supports a close association between the church today and the Old Testament Israelites in the wilderness journey. God had rescued the Israelites out of Egypt and delivered them out of the house of slavery, which points forward to how Jesus delivers us from our slavery to sin. In Exodus 16, soon after the deliverance from Egypt, in the process of the Israelites being led into the promised land, the Israelites begin to grumble and complain about the lack of food in the wilderness. Despite their lack of faith, however, God provides them with manna a miraculous bread from heaven. So every morning, they were commanded to collect their daily portion. But on the sixth day, they were to gather a double portion of the manna since the seventh day was the Sabbath. They were graciously given bread for the day and bread for the next day. Bread for today and bread for tomorrow. Now, please allow me to have this moment of the obligatory kind of Bible nerd moment. You know, I know I only get a few of these, so I'll try to make this one count. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, which we recited not too long ago. And he teaches us to pray in this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And the word here that's most often rendered daily has actually perplexed scholars since the 4th century. They're not entirely sure exactly what it means. It only occurs in the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. But One of the legitimate alternatives to this reading, to this rendering, without going into all the details, is this. Give us our tomorrow bread today. Give us our tomorrow bread today. This may admittedly be a bit of a stretch for some people. Exegetically, it seems like some sort of acrobatics, but the truth is that there is something here that we can learn. See, Jesus is the eternal bread, the eternal daily bread of life, our portion for today and our portion for tomorrow in anticipation for the eternal Sabbath, meaning he is our portion which sustains us through our wilderness journey through our daily struggles in this broken and fallen world. This is what we recognize when we approach the table of the Lord's Supper. One of my favorite parts of our liturgy is the administration of the Lord's Supper for so many reasons. We should never take for granted that here we're able to take the Lord's Supper every week. And one of my favorite parts the Lord's Supper is when Rob says something along the lines of if your week has been characterized with more struggle and doubt than victory come and take this meal and be strengthened in Christ wow because this is me most weeks this is me this week As I was preparing to preach, I was actually unusually filled with so much anxiety and stress rather than excitement. And the only thing I could think of and the only way that I could describe it is, this is spiritual warfare. This is crazy doubt. I was so afraid that I was going to mess up. I kept thinking, I'm going to deliver the worst sermon ever. But last night, or early this morning rather, I was convicted and I was given a peace. A peace came over my heart, and I realized that even if I mess this up, even if I do a terrible job, at least I'll be able to read God's word to his people. And even if my exhortation is insufficient and I miss something in the message, the gospel will still be seen in the administration of the supper. His people will receive their portion. Praise God for that. It makes me think about Martin Luther's reflection that I am just a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. Jesus is the bread of life that comes down from heaven. In order to eat his flesh, his body needed to be broken. In order to drink his blood, it needed to be poured out. This is the passion of Christ. He suffered on the cross and he took the punishment that we deserve for sin to satisfy the full wrath of the Father on our behalf. He is the perfect spotless lamb led to the slaughter. But the story doesn't end there. Dear brothers and sisters, not only has Jesus lived for you and died for you, dear Christian, but he has also resurrected for you. The reason he can say that he will raise you up on the last day with all certain authority is because he had been raised himself. Jesus' glorified body that emerged from the tomb is the same kind of body that we will have in the new heavens and the new earth, a body that does not hunger and does not thirst. It is a body that is reserved for all who confess and repent and believe that Jesus is Lord. This is our greatest expectation. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel. Repent and believe, for the day of the Lord is fast approaching. Allow me to end with this. As we come to the close of yet another year, that for many of us may have been difficult and long and hard as we anticipate a new year to come, let us not be blinded by short-sighted and selfish expectation, but let us remember the portion that has been earned on our behalf. And may we continuously be replenished by the eternal daily portion of Christ who is ours. Because Jesus is, has been, is, and will be our portion in this life and the life to come. We can look forward with the greatest expectation as he sustains us to eternity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for saving us when no one else could. We thank you for showing us ourselves and our sinful nature by revealing to us our selfish expectations. We thank you for sending us your son and giving him as the bread of eternal life in your word to us this morning. We pray that your word has come alive for all our brothers and sisters here that have heard it. Continue to bless ResPress. Continue to bless all the efforts and all the planning and consideration, all for the sake of showing the love of Christ and the gospel through broken people, to broken people, beggars in need of bread. Continue to bless us as we partake of the Lord's Supper today to eat of the body broken for us and to drink of the blood that has been poured out for us. Show us Christ in this sacrament so that those who are yet to partake may see it and believe. And those who partake may be strengthened and sustained by the bread from heaven. Bread for today and bread for tomorrow until the last day and into eternity. We pray all this in the name of your Son and by the help of your Holy Spirit. Amen.